Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Boomer Bus players and Lotto Spring Training updates. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Happy Monday to the listening audience. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Chris, I know that you're a softball player. Are you a patient hitter at the plate? Uh, I have I have struck out looking in a in a softball game before. No, 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 Chris. You, so, yeah. You see, you're not yeah. su- you're not supposed to admit that. Yeah. No. It, well, what <laughs> happened was um, I got to the game late and I didn't have time to warm up, and so I was I went up to bat and I was like, oh man, my wrist is like I took one swing and my wrist was just way off, so I just couldn't. I tried to draw a walk, and uh, you know it was a borderline call. I, I think the I think the ump made the, the wrong call. Well, I mean, you shouldn't. I don't think you should be trying to to walk with borderline pitches in softball. I'm just saying. I think think if it was a borderline call in slow pitch softball, and you have two strikes, the tie goes to the pitcher. In my defense, it's not like I took a borderline pitch. I wasn't going to swing because my wrist was messed up. Uh, (laughs) I needed to. I I had to warm up. I was better later on in the game, but I I went in cold, and it just didn't. I'm I'm too old to go into the game cold. I gotta. You know, I got to get those resistance bands and, you know, really just work out uh, before the game so I can make sure I'm ready. Well, your doppelganger, Luis Guillorme on the Mets, had a 22-pitch walk on Sunday against Jordan Hicks. It was the only batter that Jordan Hicks got to face. It was his, his spring debut. 22 pitches later, he faces one batter, he walks him, he's out of the game. Oh, wow, he really does look like me. <laughs> no, he really, really does. I had that game on today, and I was just like, this is weird. Chris, you invited me to uh, play on your softball team on Twitter. Is yeah, that, I'm going to send thing? you the uh, I'm going to okay. send you the, the the link to sign up. We start on May second. Okay, so I'm down. Got to be there. I'm I'm much worse in softball than I am in wiffle ball. So as long as you're okay, like can you catch a ball? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, because the team I played with last time it was like 50-50 on people <laughs> who could catch the ball. I don't want to, you know, no no shots, but you know, we did go winless. All right. Well, hopefully I can help change it. I can catch a ball. We might have to recruit Scott and, and move him up here in New York. Scott, yeah, what's going on, man? We have we have lots of velocity readings from the weekend. Your boy John means business. Is he back? Apparently he was throwing 94 on Friday. We're back in business, baby. Yeah. 
Yeah, the results were good too, which hadn't, hadn't been the case in his first two starts. That helps. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I got a little worried when the velocity was down because the whole argument uh, hinges on that, that his velocity was up last year. So, you know, if we could take those velocities and the, the velocity in his third start at face value, I see no reason to to change what I initially wanted to believe. So, yeah, I'm still I'm still on board with John Means as a late round sleeper. Are you trying to add this to the stream, Chris, for those that are <laughs> Yeah, Luis Guillorme really does. It's he's bald now, he's got a big beard. He really does look a lot like me. I tweeted that out last year and you never responded, so I just assumed that you didn't like it, so I didn't, okay, I didn't I was, really... I was busy. I didn't roll with it anymore. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, Chris probably hates me, so... I'm uh, not always on Twitter, Frank. I'm I'm pretty sure That's a are. lie. 90% <laughs> of the time, you are <laughs> you are on Twitter. Um, so a, a large portion of today's podcast is going to be boom or bust players. So let's start... Let's stick with you here, Chris. What do you think of when you hear the term boom or bust? I guess it's relevant for either fantasy football or fantasy baseball, but we're doing a baseball podcast, so let's start there. I think there are a couple. I think it's generally speaking a player with a risky profile. So in in terms of hitters, someone who strikes out a lot, that creates a lot of variance in their profile. And so, you know, you, you can have a year where the BABIP is 320 and they, you know, hit 270 or a year when their BABIP is 280 and they hit like 230. Um, so I think Joey Gallo has been a little boomer busty. Byron Buxton is probably the best current example, but also every single starting pitcher. <laughs> Except for like the four good ones. Sky, yeah. would, would you agree with that assessment of boomer bust players? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it, it covers more than just a risky profile. It 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 covers uh, like a Randy Arrows Arena who we don't really know how legit that was because it was so sudden and so spectacular. And, you know, he wasn't even thought to be in the Cardinals organization necessarily a, a, an everyday player. Um, so, you know, somebody just who doesn't have enough of a track record yet, it could be an injury thing like Jordan Alvarez strikes me as a boomer bust player this uh, heading into this year. I, I think, you know, Chris was picking on starting pitchers, but I think... Relievers, like high end closers, especially um, all pitchers, all pitchers, yeah. all pitchers. That's fair. Uh, but you know, I think of like Craig Kimbrell, exactly, might be the fame, the the face of Boomer Bust. Basically, it's it's somebody who you either see it going really, really well this year for him, or really, really poorly. So, you know, at the high end, that could be somebody like Luis Robert, who we all acknowledge has a ton of upside, but I don't think any of us want him at his cost because we're factoring in the downside too, which is also pretty extreme. Uh, yeah, so I was going to just say, I mean, for whatever reason, it can be skills, it can be uh, injury risk, it can be, you know, just performance risk. A uh, player that we're going to talk about very shortly, Trevor Bauer, I think is probably the face of boomer bust starting pitchers. Um yeah, I think it's just really high upside players and really low floors. So, Scott, I'll stick with you here. How do you approach drafting boomer bust type players? It's probably not smart to draft an entire roster because I, you know, I guess you have a good chance to finish in first if everything hits, but at the same time, it's like you have to mix in some uh, some high floor plays, maybe some safer players as well, because uh, if they all mm -hmm. bust, then you're kind of yeah, you're left out there. I think as a the general rule would be I don't like drafting boomer bus players early. I like drafting boomer bus players late because, you know, you, you're not, you're not relying so much on 
any late round pick paying off. So the ones you target, you could at least hope for really high end outcome, right? But the early rounders, you, you kind of need them to hit, or else you're going to have problems. Doesn't you know? You can miss on an early round pick or two and still win, but it makes it harder. It makes it a lot harder. So that that's my general rule. And I'm sure some of the players we talk about will be high end types that I'm just I'm not really avoiding. Robert, I am, but you know, it, it's also the degree to which you think the boom is likely versus the degree to which you think the bust is likely. Yeah, the boom's good, the bust is bad. Yeah. Well, let's that right. Let's start with one of those early round players who I just brought up, Trevor Bauer, who I think is the face of boomer bust starting pitchers, and he currently has an ADP of 13.8, so he's teetering on becoming a first round pick, maybe even a first round pick if you play in a points league. And the reason I say this is because if you just look at the ERA for Trevor Bauer the last 4 seasons, it's been all over the place. 1.73 last year when he won the Cy Young, 4.48 in 2019. 2.21 back in 2018, and then 4.19 way back in 2017. So, Chris, why don't you make the case for what is the what does a boom season look like for Trevor Bauer? Because I don't think even his best case, we're we're not expecting a sub two ERA. No, no, you never no. expect a t- sub two ERA, and you know if you look at the various uh, ERA estimators last season, they didn't support it. He outperformed that by about a run. Uh, in most instances. So I think uh, the boom season for Trevor Bauer is probably like a 2-6 ERA, 195 200 to 205 innings, uh, you know, 250 strikeouts. I think that's probably the boom season for Trevor Bauer. He could be, uh, you know, one of the few pitchers who could get up to 210 innings, but I think that's probably uh, a really, really optimistic projection. So I think you're you're looking at a mid to high twos ERA and a ton of strikeouts as the boom for Trevor Bauer. Scott, what's on the the other side there? What is the reason for a bust season if one were to happen for Bauer? I mean, it might just be as easy as you know him pitching with only one eye open because apparently that's something he's doing in spring and he's hitting batters and stuff. I really try not to let my feelings for players that are not you know statistically based affect my judgment of them for fantasy because you, you know you shouldn't you don't draft with your heart or anything but Trevor Bauer just makes it so I mean hard. in, in his so case hard. though like if he was actually stupid enough to try to do that in games that matter he would probably pitch really poorly which is what we saw in his spring outing where he couldn't get out of the first inning he walked three batters and hit someone like don't throw with one eye closed you're a major league pitcher Scott, what's the downside look like for Trevor Bauer? <laughs> well, it probably looks like 2019 when he had a 448 ERA. But you look at the rest of his numbers that year, and they really he, he had double-digit wins. I think that's likely, again, with the Dodgers because you know he's going to throw a lot of innings. He had 253 strikeouts. He had a whip of 125, which you know isn't great, but it's not that bad either. Uh, a lot of home runs that year. Yeah. Most after he joined the Reds. I mean, his numbers with Cleveland before that trade... 379 ERA. You know, it wasn't quite ace level with the strikeouts in the innings, but it was certainly must start level. Uh, so that's part of the reason why I'm not, I, I understand why you're calling him a boomer bust pick. I think a lot of people would say that too. And I had him on the list of the long list of names I sent to you. But it's why I think of the three of us, I'm the highest of him. I was my, uh, my number four starting pitcher. I, I actually, I think he's going to be really useful either way. 
And yeah. I think I think that 2019 season is more like the disaster outcome. You know, maybe a mid three ZRA is is a possibility. Uh, you know, if he doesn't quite get the the extraordinary spin rate on his pitches. But you know, the the thing I think a lot of people overlook with Trevor Bauer is they're like, oh, he he wasn't that good before last year. Okay, then how do you explain 2018 when he was <laughs> probably the front runner for the AL Cy Young before breaking his leg in August? I mean, so two of the last three years, he's been the best pitcher in his league. I I, I think that's more where I I find myself with Trevor ba- Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I, I think the risk with him is control and home runs. You know, if he keeps the walks. The, the career rate is 9%. If he can be south of that, um, he'll probably be pretty good. But there is more home run risk in his profile than, um, you know, just that one bad half season with the Reds. You know, he, he is a, a pretty extreme fly ball pitcher. But I, I agree. Like, I think the worst case scenario is probably an ERA around four with a ton of innings. I mean, really, the worst case scenario is he gets hurt because he's a pitcher. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah. The worst case healthy scenario. The worst case is he doesn't. Yeah, the What's worst case what's scenario. The, what's the thing with the eye? Like he's complaining that he's not seeing very well at a one. No, he's just. To... I thought he was just doing it for fun. Is oh, he no, actually I, like I read, trying to give something. a reason? Yeah, yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah, no, he actually had a reason. Okay, I mean, he kind of joked about how I can get this right, guy out like with one eye closed, like but he actually gave a real reason too. <laughs> but like. It's probably just that he's being a, yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, keep it, keep it PG, keep it PG for the uh, for the kiddies out there listening. A Chris. jerk. Yes, um, I will say of the two scenarios that you guys painted, I do think a boom season, as much as it pains me to say, is more likely for Trevor Bauer. I don't see why he would go away from, however, he has developed this spin rate. Um, so. If, if that remains, then I think that he's probably still going to be really, really good this upcoming season. I'm the lowest of the three, but I still have him SP6. So I still, yeah. I'm willing to take him as early as the second round uh, if he falls to me there. Before we get to another boomer bust player, I do just want to remind everyone, March Madness, it is here and you can create a pool to compete against friends or fill out your own bracket for a chance to win a Nissan Rogue and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. You can play on the CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com slash brackets. But wait, there's more. We have a March Madness bracket for this podcast, Fantasy Baseball Today, and we are giving away a spot in the For the People for the People Listener League. That's a 16-team head-to-head categories league. Yes, we are still taking your submissions, and they have been awesome. We appreciate that. Continue to send in your cropped Photoshop pictures, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, to try and earn a spot into these leagues. But we are also giving away one spot in the For the People League to whoever performs best in this competition. We're going to have a bracket, and you can find it, cbssports.com slash FBT brackets. I tweeted out the link as well, dropped it in our Facebook group. So just join there, put together your best bracket, and by the time, I don't think that... I think that we're going to announce the winners of the of the podcast leagues before March Madness, the, the actual bracket is up. So whoever is leading at that point will earn a spot. So again, the link to join there is cbssports.com slash FBT brackets. Let's go back to some of these boomer bust hitters. And a name we haven't mentioned yet that might be the face of hitters. I tweeted out earlier asking people for some boomer bust hitters, uh, just players in general. And a lot of people said Adalberto Mondesi. And I... I 
can see why. I mean, he has an ADP of 29.8. And if you just look at his season last year, it was basically a microcosm of this whole conversation. His first 37 games, he sucked. His final 22 games were awesome. He was a league winner, 376 batting average, six homers, 16 steals over those final 22 games. He almost averaged a steal per game over those final three weeks of the season, which is just absolutely crazy. Maybe he got off to a slow start because he was dealing with a shoulder injury. The boom case. Let's go with you, Scott. What is the boom case for one Adalberto Mondesi, and are you buying it? Well, I don't. I don't think we've seen it yet. I, we've seen stretches where he's been a really good hitter. Obviously, in September of last year, um, I believe it was 2018. I was pretty excited about him going into last year because the second half of 2018, he had a really strong hitting performance. Uh, you know, the play discipline. I don't. I don't think there's any hope of that improving. So that's going to put some limits on him as a hitter. But could he be a guy who hits? 275 with 25 homers and like 70 steals doubling up everybody in that category. I, I think I think that's in the realm of possibility. I think now that the shoulder surgery is behind him, clearly put it behind him last September, uh, we should have a better idea of what Mondesi is going to be after this season. I'm obviously not drafting him like that. I have a lot of skepticism about him as a hitter. The plate discipline was horrible. I think he, I think he needed like a near... 500 bat like 464 464 babbit last september to put up the numbers he did then but the good news is no matter how poorly he hits probably going to lead the majors in steals he might if he misses half the season with injury he might lead the major leagues in steals it's just such a distant number one in that category since the start of 2019 for Mondesi, he's played 161 games, so just about a full season. He has 67 steals, which leads baseball during that time. Jonathan VR is second with 56 steals in 53 more games. That is how dominant uh, Adalberto Mondesi is in that category. Chris, I think uh, Scott hit on some of the reasons why Mondesi has a bus case, but what are you thinking here? And what do you think is more likely if you're drafting him? I mean, this ADP 29.8, this is for a Roto or a Categories League. You got him last week in our head-to-head points mock in round 14. So that's a points league. He's going to go much later. The bus case, Chris, for Mondesi. Yeah, I mean, the bus case is he's so bad that he's not an everyday player. Like, the bus case is what we've seen from Jonathan VR over the last few seasons. I think he's almost certainly going to remain an everyday player uh, this season. Because he is, he's a very good defender. He's a very good base runner, but like it's not out of the realm of possibility that he has a 550 OPS on July 1st. Like he, that's, that's a, a realistic outcome for him. Uh, his plate discipline is like third percentile in baseball, probably. So the bus case is not that he hits poorly, but that he hits so poorly that you just he's not even playing because I think as long as he's in the, the lineup, it's going to be like Billy Hamilton. As long as he's in the lineup, he's going to steal enough bases that you're probably going to still need to start him if you drafted him for stolen bases, because if you drafted him for stolen bases, it probably means like I, I usually do. I have him in four Roto leagues. I draft him and that means I don't really have to pursue stolen bases after that. And so if he's not uh, hitting well, but he's still stealing bases, you're going to keep starting him. The risk is that he either because of injury or performance, he gets benched or doesn't play. Yeah, and we saw 
during that stretch last year, those first 37 games where he was struggling mightily, he was getting dropped all the way down to the bottom of the lineup. He was batting ninth for the Royals. And they have enough options where I've been trying to play it out in my head. I don't know what this lineup's going to look like. He was batting third on Sunday. I don't know that that's the most realistic place for him to bat, but I, I think Benintendi's probably a better bet to bat second for this team. So we'll see what happens. If he struggles, he's going to drop in the lineup. That's that's the first part of it, and then he can even mm-hmm. lose playing time. So, uh, again, that is Adalberto Montesi. Could lead the league in steals. Could be out of a job by July. Let's lump together. Will, will lead the majors in steals. Assuming health, he will. Let's lump Unless together. Unless he gets hurt. Yeah, sorry. Go right. ahead. Let's lump together these three utility bats in Jordan Alvarez, JD Martinez, and John Carlos Stanton. I'm not going to put Nelson Cruz in the mix. I mean, I guess age is a risk, of course, but as long as he's on the field, he's he's going to be good. Uh, what is the what is the boom scenario? Which boom scenario looks the best, Scott? Between these three, Alvarez, JD Martinez, Stanton. You know, I've struggled with that. I've struggled with that this whole time. I keep going. I, I mean, I do have Stan below the other three if we are putting Cruz in there, uh, just because it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a couple years since he's been somebody we can count on in fantasy. Um, but I think the boom for him is, you know, second round type hitter. I think that's that's fair to say if he stays healthy and he's the he could be the best home runner in baseball still. I think probably Alvarez. I think if, if we're if we're doing best case scenario for any of these three, including JD Martinez, I'll, I'll give it to Alvarez, who looked who looked like Mike Trout without the speed when he got called up as a rookie. I mean, just unbelievable hitting. I think I think he went. I think he had fifty doubles and fifty homers between the majors and minors that year, which is just unbelievable production. Uh, so I'll say Alvarez, and uh, and by the way, we got a positive. Rep- I saw a positive uh, quote from him. Made his spring debut today, finally, and he said, "I paraphrasing here, but he said uh, it, it sounds like people are more worried about me than I like think. I'm feeling worse than I actually am, or something like that." Um, so he's feeling good. <laughs> he's feeling good, yep. and uh, that's a good sign coming off double knee surgery. Yep, it was good to see Jordan Alvarez made his debut on Sunday. He went 0 for 3, two flyouts and a ground out. After the game, he was asked if there were plans to play in the outfield at all during spring training, and he had this to say, yeah, that's the plan, definitely. Today was just the first game for me. I think I told you guys before that I feel a lot better than people must think. I that's feel point, healthy. Yeah. So there you go, Jordan Alvarez. And that season that you mentioned, 2019, a 143 games between the minors and the majors. A 325 batting average with 50 home runs. So that is awesome. Chris, between the three, yeah. Alvarez, JD Martinez, and Stanton, which bus scenario is likely? And for each, it's a little bit different because I think we have some injury concerns with a few of these guys, but then I think JD Martinez is, is probably a performance concern. Yeah. And I would I would say Martinez is probably the most likely. Um just because he is 33 and it's performance related now, but you know, it's also possible that that turns into injury risk at his uh, point in his career. Whereas with Alvarez and Stanton, as long as they're healthy, I think they're going to be very good hitters. Um, And they're both healthy right now. So, you know, obviously we can't predict injuries. Um, 
you know, past injuries are the best predictor of future injuries, but they aren't a perfect injury injury predictor. So I have very little doubt that Alvarez and Stanton are going to be very good hitters when they're on the field. Martinez, I is a bigger question mark for me. Yeah, Martinez is 33 years old. He will turn 34 come August. And there was a stretch in his career where he he dealt with some injuries as well. 2014, 2016, 2017. He played 123 games or less in each of those. But the past couple of seasons for J.D. Martinez, he has been much healthier. So we will give him credit there where it is due. Uh, For Stanton, you want to talk about injuries? He has played 18% of his games over the last two years. But over his last 162 games... 273 batting average, 36 home runs, 101 RBI. If he stays healthy, I think he could probably come close to those numbers, especially yeah. in Yankee Stadium, in that and ballpark. Given you know that he's only played 18% of the time <laughs> over the last two seasons, I think he's either first or second in number of batted balls over 115 and 110 miles per hour in Major League Baseball. No, uh, that's just raw count. Right? Just <laughs> num- total number. In terms yeah. of percent, he's... In terms of percent, he's double anyone else. I think. I think he's it's behind only Vlad Guerrero in both 115 and 110 mile per hour batted balls over the last two seasons. Scott, the which of these players, and we'll lump Cruz in here now as well. At their current ADP, which of these guys are you most likely to draft? Alvarez at pick 81, Cruz at 89, Martinez at 91, Stanton at 112. Probably, probably Stanton, just because it's so much later. But I like the, I love the value for all of them. I, 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 I would hesitate to be the one who grabs the first of them because I, I don't know when they're going to start going off the board. It seems like in, in, in leagues with like experts like Tout Wars, you know, they don't go as late as the ADP shows. Yeah. Like, Everybody just knows better. So I'm actually ending up with less of these guys than I thought I was going to. But pretty much as soon as I saw somebody take one, whether it was Cruz or Alvarez or J.D. Martinez, uh, I'd be gearing up to take one of the others. Yep, and that's exactly what I called out last week when we did our head-to-head points mock draft. We saw Alvarez go, I think it was at the 6-7 turn. And then as soon as that happened, I said, well... Get ready to watch these other guys fall because, uh, oh no, it was so it was JD Martinez who went at the six seven turn. Next pick was Cruz. Four picks later, it was Jordan Alvarez in the uh, right around that six seven turn. Chris, just give me a name the the one you're most likely to draft at their cost. Uh, Stanton has been drafted in a third of my leagues, so boom, stick to That's your guns. Fun. Let's pair Mondesi. Up. Mondesi, I have in five of twelve, so apparently I'm all in. On the Boomer Bus players, I also have Byron Buxton. Oh, I know. So you're you're either going to be, you know, still alive in all of your leagues by July first, or you're you know you're going to do really good on your fantasy football prep. So that's <laughs> I don't think it's going to go. Uh, just going to go one way or the other there for you. Win 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 either way. I think. There you go. Let's pair up uh, two pitchers here: Steven Strasburg and Zach Plesac. Both were in the news this weekend. And they're going 11 pick, picks apart right now in ADP. Strasburg at pick 64. Zach Plesak at pick 75. Steven Strasburg left Sunday's start with a calf issue. Nationals manager Dave Martinez said that Strasburg will be evaluated again on Monday morning before they determine the next steps. Martinez is also hoping they can keep Strasburg in a five-day routine. Of course, Strasburg was coming back from carpal tunnel surgery that he had 
last year. Uh, so now we have this calf to worry about as well. And then Zach Plesak, just for different reasons, he got roughed up on Saturday. I don't know that this actually matters, but in the spring now, Plesak has pitched seven and a third innings. He has allowed 12 hits and seven earned runs. So, Chris, because I know you like Zach Plesak so much, how about you make the best case scenario for each of these guys, Strasburg and Plesak? I don't dislike Zach Plesak. I think it's unfair of you to imply that. The, the best case scenario for Zach Plesak, it's not nearly as good as he was last season when he had a 228 ERA. But, you know, I could see low threes ERA, um, you know, maybe a Jose Barrios type outcome, but, but with better control. And so, I, you know, I think he could be someone who does pitch pretty deep into games, is pretty consistent, and, um, you know, picks up a lot of volume with pretty good ratios. I think Strasburg's best case scenario is a lot better. Uh, we've seen him be one of the best pitchers in baseball over a full season. Um, <laughs> we'll see what this calf injury is. If He's never been on the IL in his career for a, for a lower body injury. So uh, that's fun. You know, we'll see <laughs> what happens with this one. Um, uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the best case scenario for Steven Strasburg is... He stays healthy. He throws 190 innings, and he's one of the five best pitchers in baseball. We saw it in 2019. He can be, you know, he's not elite like Tyler Glass now strikeout numbers, but he can be one of those guys who's like an A, an A grade across the board. Um, so you know, there's a lot to get excited about if he's okay. He just currently isn't. <laughs> Scott, what is the downside for each of these gentlemen, Steven Strasburg and Zach Plesak, and how worried are you about each of their situations that we saw from the weekend? The calf injury for Strasburg. I mean, I guess glass half full is that it's not a hand or an arm type thing, uh, but obviously it's another injury, so that just sucks. And are you worried about this? Mm -hmm. um, these struggles for Zach Plesak so far? No, I'm not worried about the struggles for Plesak. I don't really, I don't generally worry about struggles for pitchers unless there's something going on with their actual stuff, like velocity issues or delivery issues or something like that. And I don't haven't heard anything along those lines. So um, I, I think just the, the downside for police act is, you know, maybe he, uh, maybe he's not as effective facing lineups multiple times. Some of the AL central folks, uh, foes are more familiar with his, uh, his pitch mix that he showed last year and should still be a good control pitcher, but maybe the ERA ends up around four and um, maybe the strikeouts drop below one per inning and he becomes kind of a fringy mixed leaguer. If that happens, I think um, the downside for Strasburg is trouble getting on the mound. And I'm not, I mean, obviously, he was still building up, and we saw we saw a lot of pitchers have an uptick in velocity this weekend. So, you know, early spring velocity, maybe we were stressing a little too much about that for some of them. But, um, you know, Strasburg's velocity wasn't quite back to where we're used to seeing it in the first two starts. So we still we still had some reason to wonder how he'd bounce back from this relatively untested procedure, the carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, to to to. You know, we haven't seen that a lot from pitchers. So 
I, I don't know. The downside for Strasburg is he doesn't end up pitching much because of this calf at first, and then maybe something else goes wrong because so much has gone wrong for him. Or even if he does pitch, maybe he's not quite the same. And yeah, and, and then you don't, you don't, you don't end up using him that much. That's the downside. How do you like that? I don't. I don't like that. I took him yeah. as my SP two in in our mock draft last week. Uh, where would you feel comfortable? What would you feel comfortable getting Strasburg as? Scott, in terms of your rotation, your SP2, your SP3? Well, with a calf injury. Right. <laughs> uh, you, wouldn't I, be, I was, you wouldn't be comfortable with him. Right. I, I was saying three or four before. Yeah. Uh, now I probably need him as like a number six. I, I, that, that could be something that sidelines him for the first six weeks of the season, you know? Yep. We'll um, uh, keep you updated on the situation with Steven Strasburg. Or it could be very minor and, you know, he misses two weeks. Let's that's hit, possible too. Let's Sorry, hit two outfielders here uh, with uh, a power speed combination. Mentioned the name a few times already. Luis Robert, who has an ADP at 40.6, according to Fantasy Pros. That is mostly in roto drafts and head to head categories because in our head to head points league, I got him last week at pick 88 in our in the eighth round of that draft. So much like Montessi is going to fall a little bit, not to the same point as Montessi. Again, that is Luis Robert. And the other name is Randy Arosarena, who has an ADP. Of 61.4, also went in the eighth round of that points league draft. A few picks after one Luis Robert. So, Chris, which one would you rather have, Robert or Rosarena? You could paint the picture for both. Robert, for sure. I have him probably 30 spots in the rankings uh, ahead of a Rosarena. And I'm I'm not necessarily low on a Rosarena. I just think, you know, Robert... I think Robert's a better prospect first, uh, just a more talented player. He's younger. And so there's more room for him to develop. I think their you know, approaches should be fairly similar. Robert, the best case scenario is he's a 30, 30 guy. He wasn't that far off that pace last season. He was like a 30 homer, 24 steel guy uh, on a per game on a per one sixty two pace. And, you know, that, that's the the legitimate upside, especially if Tony La Russa does have a more aggressive approach as the manager of the White Sox on the base pass. You know, he's going to hit the ball really hard. It's, you know, if he can be a 28% strikeout rate guy instead of a 32% strikeout rate guy, there's probably upside for him to hit 275, 280 just because he could be a really high Babbitt hitter. Uh, I think the downside is, one, he had a lot of trouble staying healthy in the minors. Um, you know, he, he was not someone who racked up big, uh, you know, games played totals, even in 2019, I think that was the high for him. And it was like 122 or 132, 122 games, I think. Um, so there's injury risk there, but there's also just, he could hit 200 with a 270 on base percentage. And, you know, I think he's probably still going to be an everyday player because, you know, their outfield defense isn't great without him, but. You know, it's possible he's a 20 homer, 12 steal guy with, you know, really bad batting average. So that's that's the downside for Rosarena. I think a lot of the same things are true, except he plays on a team that's much, much more likely to bench him if he's not going well. And even if he's going okay, it's not entirely guaranteed that he plays every day. So, um, you know, I think... The downside for Rosarena is one, a lot more realistic, and two, a lot lower for fantasy. So uh, I think the upside for both is is fairly similar. 
Luis Robert last year was basically the opposite of Mondesi, where he got off to this great start, his first 33 games, a 298 batting average, 10 home runs. He did strike out around 31% of the time, but his final 23 games from September 1st on for Luis Robert, 136 batting average, 34% strikeout rate. Yeah, Yikes. I mean, he, I mean that is, he, that's he, a downside for him. He has no plate discipline. Like, he does it's not like he has. He doesn't have bad plate discipline. He has no plate discipline. He walked eight point eight percent of the time, but that's a tiny sample size. Yeah, he swung at forty three percent of pitches outside of the strike zone, fifty seven percent overall. Those are two of the highest marks in the league, uh, and he only made contact on sixty one percent of his swings. So uh, he needs to develop a lot in that regard. He had a twenty two percent swinging strike rate. So yeah. Scott. The same question to you. I know that you're worried about Luis Robert. You have him either as a bust or, or as an overvalued player. How about Randy Rosarena? I mean, he's going on average about 20 picks later, but he seems really risky as well. I mean, is that the point of the draft where you're willing to take on that, that kind of high upside risk? Well, yes. It, I, I think I would be willing to if I thought that. Uh, that it best suited my needs at that point. And, and that that is yet to happen. I'm usually focused on other things at the point when Randy Arozarena is going. Um, the, the good news with him is he's going to be a contributor in stolen bases. And I mostly believe what we saw from him last year. I mean, obviously, it, if he maintained the pace from the regular season and postseason, he'd be like the best player in baseball. So I can't. <laughs> He can't be all that, but in terms of buying him as a legitimate power hitter, yeah, I, I think I'm there. I think he can sustain that, and I think he's going to be a contributor in steals, like I said. So if he lasts around six, then I think I think that's a reasonable point to take him. But I do think it's possible, you know, Cinderella had her, her night at the ball and he turns back into a pumpkin. And because uh, we just don't we just didn't really see this coming. It yeah. went on long enough that I'm mostly buying it, but we didn't see it coming. He is, you know, he does have a much better track record in terms of plate discipline than Luis Robert. He's also, you know, much older. He's 26 years old. And so, you know, that does matter when you're talking about evaluating uh, prospects. And, you know, his batted ball data was good, but in a, you know, small sample size, it wasn't Joey Gallo esque um, in terms of how hard he hit the ball, no. how consistently hard. So, you know, I think the downside risk for him is sort of similar to Luis Robert, but in different ways. I think he's less likely to strike out 30% of the time. Oh, I just, I compare, like, compare Rosa Reina to, like, Grisham, Trent Grisham, and mm-hmm. leave the plate, leave the walks out of it because we're, we're, let's do it from strictly a five by five. But even that, Rosa Reina might walk a decent amount. You know, his mildly track record Fair is enough. like 10%. I mean, Grisham's going to be a great walker. So <clears> I'm just leaving that part out. Like, what are we? What do we peg Grisham for? Maybe a two fifty, two sixty batting average, uh, between fifteen and twenty homers, between twenty and twenty five steals. Yeah, I, I mean, like that. I, I don't. I don't expect a, a Rosarena to be. I, I don't really see a scenario where he's much worse than that. I, I would unless, take the unless unless the Rays just you know mess with his playing yeah. time. I would take a Rosarena in home runs and average for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, given the same amount of playing time, I think he'll be better and possibly significantly better in both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it might be more like 15 steals for Rosarena versus yeah. the 25 potentially for Grisham. 
Uh, but yeah, in terms of batting average and home runs, like I would, I would give, I would give a Rosarena the, the, the edge there too. And, and I'm not even the downer on Grisham like you are. Yeah. If you look at the Fangraphs proje- pro- projections for Randy Rosarena, they all have him between 21 and 27 home runs and 16 and 21 steals. So again, a le- legitimate power speed combination for Rosarena, but just playing with such a small sample size last year. 43 games between the regular and postseason for a Rosarena. 333 batting average, 17 home runs, and 1158 OPS. And he was doing it against the best pitchers in baseball in the postseason. He's hitting home runs off Garrett Cole and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think he fits right in with this mold. I mean, you know, he saw the other Yankees, though. Yeah, and not great. (laughs) Outside of Garrett Cole. Uh, We're going to hit a quick break, but before we do that, I just want to remind everybody about our Fantasy Baseball Today Draft Prep Guide, which is now live, and it is free on the site. You can download our our draft kit. It's a one-stop shop for anyone to dominate their drafts. It includes our sleepers, breakouts, busts, rankings, strategies, tiers, everything you need. There's a sheet where you can keep track of your drafting, keep track of your salary cap draft, how much money you have left within it as well. Uh, and again, you can find that at the... Link cbsports.com slash FBB draft kit and uh, just some programming updates. We will have a mailbag podcast again this Saturday. So continue to drop some Apple podcast rating and reviews in there. Drop, put, put your question in a review. We do appreciate those. Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And we will be doing a live Roto salary cap draft on the podcast Tuesday night, which will be on video and that, that will be turned into uh, Wednesday morning's podcast as well. Scott, what time are we going live with that on Tuesday night? 7... We'd probably start a little before 7.15, but the, the draft itself is scheduled to start at 7.15. Yeah, so we'll probably fire up the live stream for those who want to watch on YouTube around 7, 7.15. So, and we'll, we'll run a little bit longer, an hour and a half, whatever it might be, uh, so you can see how... how um, how much people paid for certain players. I think Adam is in that, so that's going to be interesting to see. He was <laughs> texting me today. Who's this year's James Paxson? Like, I don't know. Anyone that's going to get hurt? I don't know. <laughs> what do you even mean by that? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Because he's trying to find his TapTap AMC strategy. So he's like, I need a new Paxton. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, if you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you're listening on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we have all the news and notes from this past weekend. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. 
The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Let's start off with Sonny Gray, who was scratched from Sunday's start due to a mid-back injury, and he is now expected to start the season on the injured list. That's the last report that I saw. And Scott, remember last year he went on the IL in September? That mm-hmm. was also a mid-back strain. So yep. I am really worried about Sonny Gray. I think I dropped him all the way down to SP33 in the rankings today. I dropped him behind Lozardo and Ian Anderson. I'm pretty scared. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I had him. I was already pretty worried, but it wasn't even so much a health thing. So... Yeah, we we've seen back issues plague guys for years at a time. I mean, Clayton Kershaw himself, that was something that kept recurring for him. Uh so that's that's something to be worried about. I have him 29th currently. Yeah, I could see dropping him some. I could see dropping him out outside the top 35 probably. So, yeah. I think I think those concerns are fair and valid. And like I said, I had performance concerns anyway because he was kind of two-faced last year, as short as last year was. That is not... I dropped him to SP40. There you go. That is not Harvey Dent we're talking about, two-faced. We are talking about Sonny Gray. One of my favorite sleepers, TJ Antone with the Reds, tweaked his groin on Sunday. Womp, womp. Afterward, after the game, Antone said that he felt all right and expects to make his next start, so... We'll pay attention there. Lots of strikeouts here in the spring. I just traded away Nando's boy, Jose DeLeon, to, uh-huh. to Nando, actually. <laughs> he might have a spot well, in the rotation. Wade Miley's dealing with an injury as, as well. Right, right, exactly. Well, and there, there was already a competition. Even, even assuming Miley and Gray were healthy, there was still a competition for the fifth spot that seemed like it was going to go to Michael Lorenzen, but it seemed like TJ Anton was next in line. So if Anton's healthy... Uh, Presumably, he has a spot to begin the year now, I would I would think. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. Cross your fingers for the man they call, and they, I mean Pitching Ninja, calls Captain Hook. That is TJ Anton. Uh, Austin Nola has a fractured middle finger on his left hand. There is no timetable, and opening day is up in the air. Chris, should we be dropping Austin Nola behind names like James McCann, Sean Murphy, and Mitch Garver now? Yeah, I kind of had him... Just ahead of those guys. I'll, I'm looking at it now. I'll probably drop him. You know, the, the thing about injuries is I'm, you know, I think pretty well known on this podcast for being less concerned about the quote unquote injury prone players than most. But when a player is actually injured, it's a lot harder to draft them. You know, we don't know how we assume Austin Nola is going to recover from this fine, but Austin Nola is not exactly a guarantee uh, in terms of performance anyway. You know, we're talking about a very small sample size where he's hit like a starting caliber uh, catcher. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably drop him to 14th now. He was ninth before. I'll drop him behind Mitch Garver. That's only 19 spots in my overall rankings because I have catchers really bundled together towards the bottom. But, yeah, that's a pretty big drop for me. Again, that is Austin Nola, catcher for the San Diego Padres. He has a fractured middle finger on his left hand. Carlos Carrasco, who is dealing with elbow inflammation, threw at 75 feet Sunday, and he will throw from 90 to 120 feet 
on Monday, followed by a short bullpen session. When asked if he'll be ready for opening day, Carrasco said, quote, oh, yes, I will be ready. So, oh, yeah. So some good news there on Carlos Carrasco, hopefully, yeah. because we can use another pitcher in those middle rounds. Everyone else is getting hurt. Strasburg and Plesak is sucking. Whatever, man. Carrasco, we need you, buddy. Michael Franco. Not the most exciting player at this point, but uh, he is on the verge of signing a one-year deal with the Baltimore Orioles. I uh, would like a refund on my deep league Rio Ruiz shares, but Michael Franco was actually, he was decent last year. 278 batting average, eight home runs, 38 RBI. The stack has data was very bad for Franco. Uh, Scott, any interest in him as a corner infielder in a deep roto league? Yeah, it'd have to be pretty deep. I, I mean... He's probably going to verge on 20 homers with a not terrible batting average. Uh, we, we pretty much know who he is at this point, and it's pretty fringy. Again, that is Michael Franco, close to signing with the Baltimore Orioles. Frankie Montas made his debut on Sunday. Three shutout innings with two strikeouts. Apparently, he was sitting 95 to 97 miles per hour with the fastball and also made my guy, Tim Anderson, look pretty foolish on what I believe I think it was a splitter, but I couldn't really tell. The broadcasters couldn't tell either. But Montas looked good. That's the point. Chris, if you were drafting today, would you take Montas or Corey Kluber? Oh, Montas. I've had him higher than Kluber all along, and I'm not sure. I don't know. Kluber's been okay in spring, and it sounds like the velocity is you know, in the 91 to 92 range over his last start. So that's a good sign. But I, I think Montas is... Uh, where do I have him? I have him 43rd overall. Uh, so I like Frankie Montas quite a bit. And it's interesting because Kluber is just, he's continues to fly up in ADP right now. And on Fantasy Pros, he's going at pick 152. And Montas is down at 172. So I think they've kind of been going in the opposite directions. Obviously, I, I've, I, I've faced that exact decision several times already. Kluber versus Montas. Okay. And I have gone Kluber every time. Ooh. But... Part of me kind of wishes I'd hedged my bet there. You yeah. know? <laughs> Just uh, gone with one and one draft, gone with... Actually, every time I hoped I'd get Kluber and Montas on the way back, and that's never happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of boomer bust players, they're probably both in that category, right? Both Kluber yeah, and, I, I uh, think so. and Montas. Let's stick with the Oakland A's starting pitcher. Sean Manaya made his debut on Saturday, and... I don't know if you want to trust this, but I'll just throw it out there. According to reports, he was sitting 93 to 94 miles per hour with the fastball. Sean Manaya was. He averaged 90.4, not 94, 90.4, below 91 miles per hour on his fastball last year. And he has ev- never averaged more than 92.3 miles per hour for any season in his career. Again, Sean Manaya, the ADP is at 242. He's going right around all those other sleeper starting pitchers that we've talked about a ton, John Means, Nathan Avaldi, Eliezer Hernandez. Chris, I think we brought up Manaya during our SP preview part three, and you just kind of shrugged him off. Does this interest you, this velocity? That, that reports have him sitting 92, 93 does not interest me particularly. Um, and, and this is the problem with the you know spring training. What does sitting mean? Does sitting mean he hit 93 a couple of times and was mostly 92? Does like, you know, it's we don't actually have the data in front of us. And so I'm not going to, you know, move a guy when I don't have actual data. Um, 
it's something to watch for. If he is actually throwing consistently 93 miles an hour, it, it does make him a, a little well, more interesting. Well, what if he's consistently throwing 92 versus Right, 90? sure, in that range. Yeah, if he's averaging 92 miles per hour this fastball, you know, velocity is, you know, correlated with whiff rate. Uh, it's correlated with spin rate. So the harder you throw, generally speaking, uh, the better your results will be. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But one outing where we didn't have StatCast data is not enough for me to move him up. How about you, Scott? Shamanai? I mean, he's he's at such a low end of the pitching spectrum. It doesn't take much to move him up. That's kind of sure. that's kind of more where I am. Mm-hmm. Like I'm more likely to use my last pick on Sean Manaya now than I was prior to this start. How about using your last pick in a draft on Yusei Kikuchi, a name that we have not talked much about? I can't remember if it was either towards the end of the podcast last week or after the podcast ended, but Chris, I know that you were talking up Kikuchi a little bit, and I looked more into the numbers. Yeah, we should give him more respect. He was Kikuchi's underlying numbers last year were good, and he made tangible improvements. Apparently, he was sitting 95, 96 miles per hour with his mm-hmm. fastball on Sunday, recorded 10 outs. Six of them were via the strikeout. So, Chris, you say Kikuchi. I do say Kikuchi. Uh, he averaged 95 with his fastball last year. You know, he was a big velocity gainer and it made his overall profile play up. His swinging strike rate jumped from 8, 8.8% to 12.1%. Contact rate fell. Um, he looked like a legitimately different and much better pitcher last season. Ground ball rate was over 50%. Uh, strikeout per inning. He had a 517 ERA. And so I think most people just look at it. And uh, this was me, you know, before looking at it a little closer, was just saying, well, you know, 546 ERA last year, he reworked some stuff and it didn't work. Um, and then you actually look at the peripherals and 330 FIP, 378 X FIP. Uh, I think the X ERA on baseball savant is like 328. Sierra's 434, so not quite as good. But all in all, I think that points to a guy who was much better. Than he pitched in 2020. And I think the stuff is legitimately good. And yeah, I, I like let you say Kikuchi quite a bit as one of the late round pitchers. His ADP, I think is after 350, right? 342. Okay. Yeah. So he's 269 for me. He's inside the uh, draft him in a 12 team roto league range, and I will try to draft him in as many leagues as I can moving forward. Again, that is Yusei Kikuchi. The last three news items that I will hit on just because I do want to wrap up with a few more boomer bust players. Scott wrote an article last week about post hype sleepers, and Brendan Rogers was one of them, and he was looking pretty good in the spring, and then he pulled up lame on a stolen base on Saturday. He has been diagnosed with a hamstring strain. There's optimism he'll be ready for opening day. Poor kid. Brandon Rogers just can't stay healthy, but we're rooting for you, buddy. Uh, another prospect, Blue Jays pitching pro- prospect, Alec Manoa. Three perfect innings on Sunday against the Yankees with seven strikeouts, nine whiffs on 44 pitches. He is 23 years old, a former first-round pick in 2019. Again, name Alec Manoa. I don't know that he's going to be up this year, but if you have this kid in Dynasty, he looked pretty awesome on Sunday. And for any AL-only players, real deep Dynasty leagues, just a name to watch. Put him on the scout team. Bruce Zimmerman for the Baltimore Orioles. He pitched four no-hit innings on Sunday, bringing his spring line to nine innings pitched, one hit, zero earned, three walks, 10 strikeouts. Bruce Zimmerman averaging 94 miles per hour on his fastball on Sunday. That is up from 91.4 miles per hour last season. 
We'll wrap with some more boomer bust players, and I'll just throw one name your way. You tell me what's more likely to happen: boom or bust. Scott, Josh Bell, boomer bust. <laughs> I, I mean, based on where I want to draft him as late as I do, if I didn't think bust was more likely to happen, but I think boom is more likely to happen than the ADP would suggest. If that makes sense, like I like the value, but there's a reason I'm not taking him around seven like I was last year. So boom is more like, I'm, I'm sorry, bust is more likely, but boom is pretty likely too. Josh Bell, the ADP is 134.4. Uh, I should probably ask Scott about this guy too, because I know Chris likes Kesson Hira. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, but like, I do think there's a very high chance he busts. I just think the chances that he hits are so high and he would be so valuable if he did that I'm willing to take on the risk. I, I'm not, I certainly wouldn't argue that Keston Hira is not likely to bust. Um, I just think sometimes you got to take calculated risks. The ADP for Keston Hira is 68.2, so he is typically going in the sixth round, more so in roto and head-to-head categories. He does fall a little bit in points because of uh, the lack of plate discipline there for Hira, but you've kind of seen it in his, his rookie season versus last year. Um, what the upside could be versus what the downside is for Kesson Hira. Scott, Charlie Morton, we spoke about him a little bit last week. What do you think? At his advanced age, more likely to boom or bust? I think he's more likely to boom. And in fact, I moved him up to 35 in my starting pitcher rankings just earlier today. He is now in between Jesus Luzardo and Lance McCullers. Also moved him ahead of Sixto Sanchez. So, Charlie Morton, more likely to boom. I have moved Charlie Morton up as well, too. Wow, I didn't realize I moved him up this much. I moved him up to SP30, so I'm, I'm more in line with, uh, with Chris now. You uh, guys are cowards. He's <laughs> SP28 for me, although I probably have him lower in the overall ranks than either of you. <laughs> um, how about Patrick Corbin? This is one that we've been following the velocity all spring, and in his second start, again, the fastball velocity was right around 90, and, and that was a big issue for Corbin last year. So, Chris, boom or bust Patrick Corbin? I think he's more likely to bust at this point. Um, I think he can be effective throwing 90 miles an hour or averaging 90 miles an hour. You know, we've seen stretches of that like that in uh, his breakout 2018 season for, you know, a while in that season. He was throwing about 90 miles per hour this fastball, but you'd rather see him throwing 92, especially, uh, you know, in short stints. I, I, I want to mention too for Corbin, because I got a lot of feedback from this over the weekend. Um, one of the nationals beat writers, I'm trying to find the exact name. It was excitedly writing about how his velocity is up this spring. And like, Scott, what's this about? It was his velocity up compared to where it was last spring, which isn't meaningless. No, we've we've John Means over the weekend. We saw the velocity jump in the third start, and some pitchers we may see the velocity jump their first regular season start. So there's there's definitely a danger about obsessing over low velocities. But when a guy's velocity was down during the regular season, like I need to see him exceed that velocity before I'm ready to trust him again. And so that's where I'm at with Corbin because. It may be up from last spring, but it's not up from last season. Last season is when he had problems. He does have a new pitch. Uh, he's working on a cutter. 
that sort of splits the difference between his fastball and his slider and velocity. I don't, you know, it's impossible to say right now whether that'll be a, an effective pitch or, but it's with a pitcher like him or with any pitcher who is either not good or trending in the wrong direction, you want to see signs that they're not just resting on their laurels, you know, that they acknowledge I need to improve. And so that that's a, uh, that's at the very least a good sign for him, even though it you know doesn't guarantee anything. Again, that is Patrick Corbin, who is now 31 years old and will turn 32 in July. He led all qualified starting pitchers with a 1.57 whip last year. Uh, and of course, the velocity has been trending. I, I read, um, well, Chris, he gone, he back. Chris, Chris <laughs> is back. Um, I read that Corbin is uh, trying to work in his changeup a little bit more this year as well. So pay attention to that in the spring. Let's wrap up here with, we haven't mentioned any relief pitchers. And of course, there's a ton of volatility, but I think probably the face of boom or bust for relief pitchers is Edwin Diaz because he is, he is so awesome when he pitches, but he's already been moved out of the closer role twice in the past two years. Scott, more likely to happen, boom or bust, Edwin Diaz. Boom, but I I have some reservations because of, you know, he was mostly awesome last year and the Mets had a really quick hook with him and a really slow uh, transition back into the closer role. So, yeah, I, I think he's more likely to boom, but I, I'm generally not the guy making the investment in him. Chris, are you back in on Edwin Diaz, your boy? Yeah, I didn't have a lot of concern about him last year, even coming off the really bad 2019. And I basically have no concerns about him. I think he's one of the elite closers uh, in baseball. I think he can be the very best closer in baseball. Um, But I don't draft him much just because I'm not looking to invest much in closer. Yep. And the investment right now for Edwin Diaz is non-existent. No, I'm just kidding. I have the wrong tab up on my ADP. Edwin Diaz is 85.6. So yeah, like I just don't have much interest in drafting any closers inside of the top 100. But if I did, Edwin Diaz would certainly... like I would rather have him than Josh Hader at 55. Just given the, the players I have to pass on. Like I'm not sure Hader's going to give you more strikeouts. I'm not sure he's going to give you a better ERA. In fact, I would probably bet on Edwin Diaz having a better ERA. I think it's happened two of the last three years. Mm-hmm. Edwin Diaz's upside is... He's the RP1. We've seen him do that before. He had over 50 saves in a season. It's hard to project saves, obviously, but if everything goes right, 35-plus saves, awesome ratios, fantastic strikeouts for Diaz. The downside, he's not the closer by May 1st, but we could probably say that uh, about at least half of the projected closers in baseball. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball. Today, we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 